You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. One, proper attire. Second, the Holy Spirit. You have been born again. Three, 1 John chapter 3. Everyone that has this hope of his soon coming purifies himself. You're messing around with pornography, you're not ready. You're messing around with sexual sin, you're not ready. Our culture has devalued marriage and sex, but as God designed it, a bride and groom wait for each other in emotional and physical purity looking forward to the day that they'll stand before God and pledge their devotion to each other. All they can think about is being together in the ultimate form of human intimacy. As Pastor Danny reminds us in today's message, as you wait for the return of Christ, He needs to be at the forefront of your mind. Prepare yourself for that reunion by living a life that glorifies and honors Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, as he continues his message, Preparation for an Eternal Wedding. think that people would have had enough of silly love songs. But I look around me and I see it isn't so. Some people want to fill the world with silly love songs. Let me ask you, what's wrong with that? Now parents, would you tell your younger children Paul McCartney, it's a great song. <laughs> Why is it we keep on writing the love songs? Even ACDC, no matter how hard the rock is, they're going to write songs about life and love. Why? Because God created romance. You know, I've been, some of you, your pastor for many years, and I, I, I've mentioned that God created sex. That is true. God created sex. To be enjoyed in holy matrimony. Well, in the same way, God created romance. God's the author of every love story. The Bible is a love story. I have a book. I thought about it in my study for this message. I went in my office over here and I, I got it. It's by a fellow named Gene Edwards, who's with the Lord now, I believe. Uh, it's called The Divine Romance. Now, this is his thoughts on this divine romance that you find throughout the scriptures. Speaking of God, Gene Edwards writes, it burst upon him suddenly, this revelation, it welled up from deep within him, then flowed the length and breadth of the endlessness of his being. Here was thought so awesome that never before, never since has there been anything to which it might be compared. Life pulsated, light blazed in a newfound glory, love ascended. This very being of God shook in the apprehending of this revelation. And what was the revelation? 
that there could be two. It can be done, he cried out within himself, and with the revelation charging through his total being, the purpose for having eternity was born. In the midst of unutterable joy, there coursed through him a purpose, a plan so complex and with a risk so great that no one less than God would never have attempted it. Within the council of the Godhead, he cried out, I, the living God alone, the one who is, I shall have a counterpart. Breathing the fires of his love, he declared, there can be a she. And all-knowing God had brought forth a thought so exciting that even he trembled in its afterglow. Then exulting in revelation, he consecrated his whole being to this one task, to have a bride. That's the story of the Bible. It's a romance. It's a love story for God so loved the world. God gave me a great title the last time I taught through the story of Rahab the harlot. Saved out of Jericho, becoming a part of the people of Israel and having the God of Israel as her God. And she marries a prince of Israel. And I titled that last message, Cinderella. Sin, S-I-N, The story of the Bible is a Cinderella story. God's love. You find it throughout the pages of Scripture. But I want to take you for a moment to one of my favorite romance stories that illustrates God's love. Old Testament, book of Hosea. Go there with me. Hosea. Hosea, right after the book of Daniel, right before Joel and the last part of the Old Testament, those prophets... Hosea chapter 1. Hosea, you will need to know, is the Old Testament name for Jesus. Same name basically as Joshua. It means God is salvation or God saves. And it's vital that God would choose a man, a prophet named Hosea, to tell the story that he tells and to paint the picture that he paints. In the book we call the book of Hosea. Chapter 1, God calls Hosea. And uh, boy, I'd like to see his face when, when, when he hears these words. Uh, verse 2, chapter 1, Hosea. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife or a wife of prostitution. And children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery and departing from the Lord. So he married... Gomer. God does have a sense of humor. (laughs) Who's your girl? What's your girl's name? Gomer. And then behind their backs, man, she she is a dog. (laughs) Gomer, daughter of Deblium. Deblium. Deblium means raisin cakes. So your bride, Gomer, and your mother-in-law... Raisin cakes. But there's a message here. And it's amazing. Raisin cakes were associated with ancient fertility rites. In other words, it was a cultic practice. Gomer is filled with sin. Her mother, an idolater, she 
a prostitute. Gomer is associated biblically with the enemies of God. And Hosea is told, go and offer her hand in marriage. Nobody's ever loved Gomer like Hosea. We aren't given the detail, but she says yes. I mean, why wouldn't you? What a great offer. They get married. But after they get married, and I don't have time to go through every uh, text here, but in chapter 2, as after they're married, she goes out and she is unfaithful again. Chapter 2, verse 7, she goes after other lovers and it's an unsatisfied pursuit. Verse 8 of chapter 2, she's blind to her former blessings. She's forgot how good God has been to her. Chapter 2, verse 9, she is living a fruitless life and on a path that will end terribly. She comes to the end of herself, and as she's coming to the end of herself, having sold herself now again as a prostitute. And then chapter 2, verse 14, God says to Hosea, go after her. You talk about a love story. Verse 14 of chapter 2, therefore I'm going to now allure her. I'll lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. He doesn't give her a sermon. He doesn't talk about how unfaithful she's been. There I will give her back her vineyards, the fruit. And will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came up out of Egypt. Egypt, the type of the world, salvation. The whole picture is clear here. The valley of Achor was where Achan and his whole family were destroyed. When they came to Jericho, Israel, God said, the first fruits of Jericho belong to me. Achan didn't listen, kept the stuff that he had stolen hidden with his family's full knowledge. The call went out for him to repent repeatedly. He did not repent and he was destroyed and it took his whole family down with him. The valley of Achor was where they destroyed Achan. And what would have been destruction now? She deserves nothing. She deserves everything she gets in the past she's going. I mean, the love that God has shown her through Hosea offering the hand in marriage, she accepts. They are married. She goes out. She's unfaithful again. And yet Hosea goes again after the marriage. And there's no sermon. Tender words inviting her back. And she'll once again experience the blessings and the fruitfulness that she once had for however brief a time. What a love story. Go with me to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3. I don't know if, I don't know how deep you've gone in this verse. I'm about to read this section. Ephesians chapter 3, it's a prayer recorded by the Apostle Paul. The middle of verse 17, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, it's agape, it's God's love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Someone has rightly noted when you think about the height, the depth, the breadth, the width, that's the cross. 
And I don't know how deep you've gone in appreciating the love God has for us. There's a wedding coming. Jesus. And those called out once, Old Testament, New Testament, No Testament, everyone that said yes, everyone that's responded to God's call of salvation. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We're loaded with sin. We're adulterers spiritually, every single one of us. Do you hear his call? (laughs) Thank you for responding. I was told one of the things my son said last week, and I haven't been able to hear the message yet. My wife heard it online while I was speaking at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. But at some point, I guess he said, Jesus is real. You know how real this wedding is going to be? It's a real wedding. If you are one of the called out ones, I know I'm speaking to the church, but not everybody in the church, not everybody in the church is ready for the wedding. What's it going to be like to be married to Jesus? Well, well, let me just give you a couple things real quick. All right. I, it's, it's late already. I mean, I got to stop in 15 minutes and well, I don't have to, but I'm, I'm going to. It's going to be a perfect marriage. Did you hear what I just said? It's going to be a perfect marriage. Anybody with a perfect marriage? You're a liar. You're a liar. I didn't mean, you know, it's not perfect. It's great, isn't it? It's maybe a 10, but in heaven, we're going to have a thousand. You know, nobody here has a perfect, perfect marriage. But this marriage is going to be perfect. One study, men and women were asked to list what they considered to be the top five romantic experiences they could have married, they could have in marriage. Number one for men. I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. You know. But for most women, that wasn't the number one. It wasn't the physical intimacy. It was things like, you know, a nice walk on the beach, dinner out, things like that. And the guys are going, what? I, I appreciate that, but it's not number one. But here's the deal. Here's what I wrote down. Imagine... That any romantic experience that you feel would fulfill your marriage, being married to Jesus. And we have to believe this by faith because some of us, we can't go beyond a, well, I don't know. It's not going to be as good as it would be. It's going to be better. It's going to be perfect. Second, it's going to be a physical union. The earthly marriage is to typify and picture the marriage, eternal Eternal bridegroom, eternal bride. It's a physical union. So what is the earthly counterpart to what we have not experienced yet in terms of this coming wedding? You get married, holy matrimony, and then you go off on your honeymoon and you consummate the marriage. You come together physically. None of us yet have experienced the physical union with Jesus Christ and Especially for us guys, we have to, by faith, believe it's better than any physical intimacy you can ever have in this life. It's going to be a perfect marriage. It's going to be a physical union. And it's going to be eternal. It's not, and now... I wed thee till death do us part. I realize some of you said that and you're longing for that. Like, I got to get out of this thing. You know what I mean? 
But listen, the marriage with Jesus, it's not, it's not till death do us part, and we don't want it to end. It's going to go on forever and ever and ever. It's a perfect marriage. It's a physical union, and it's never, ever going to end. Finally, in the last closing moments, are you ready for the wedding? Don't answer out loud. Listen. Are you ready? The text says, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. How do you get ready for the wedding? Number one, Matthew chapter 22. I won't read the whole text, but that's the passage. Matthew chapter 22. It's an invitation to the wedding banquet. Verse eight, then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out in the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. <coughs> then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited, but few are chosen. Kind of an odd parable, but don't misunderstand. It's not that people can sneak in. No, that's the point. They can't sneak in without the proper attire. Our text said that fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. That's a two-headed coin. The linen is given. That's righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith, not by what we've done. By faith in what Jesus did. And then because of righteousness by faith in Jesus, it's righteousness that proves our faith, James chapter 2. So what's the right attire? Righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ and the proof of my righteousness by how I live. Proper attire, that's one. Second, ready for the wedding? Second, Matthew chapter 25, again, for the sake of time, I won't read the text. But Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, at that time the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And the difference between the wise and the foolish was one thing. The wise had oil and the unwise didn't. They're all religious. They all have a religious commitment. But the wives have something more than religious commitment. They have the oil, and the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to be a good person. And some people, if you take step number one, the proper attire, they will say like the rich young ruler, well, I've been a good guy all my life. And maybe you have relative to other people. But the question is not, are you a good person? In the sense of being relative to looking at other people. The question is, number two, proper attire, number one, righteousness by faith, proof of it by your life. But two, have you been born again? And if you have not been born again, I don't care how much you know about God and how much you attend church and how religious you are and how good you look compared to other people. If you have never been born again, you'll never experience this wedding night. Jesus will say in that day, I never knew you. 
People are going to come. And he says, people are going to come and say, well, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name and we did miracles in your name. And we did all these works in your name. Depart from me. I never knew you. Have you been born again? And if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And scripture after scripture, this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. 1 John 3, 24, Romans 8, 16, 8, 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. One, proper attire. Second, the Holy Spirit, you have been born again. Three, 1 John chapter 3, everyone that has this hope of his soon coming purifies himself. You're messing around with pornography, you're not ready. You're messing around with sexual sin, you're not ready. You're messing around with greed and, and anything else in the world and buying into living like everybody else, you're not ready. Purity of life. Since we have these promises, 2 Corinthians 6, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. So one is proper attire. Two is the oil of the Holy Spirit. I've been born again. Three is I'm purifying my life. I want to please him. And four is faithfulness. Boy, that's a good one to end on because faithfulness, you see, I could have purified my life yesterday and today I'm not pure. And that's called unfaithfulness. I could have been doing good last week and not doing good this week. I could have been committed last year, but I'm really not committed this year. Faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Is that you? We're not talking about sinless perfection, but we are talking about commitment. We are talking about responding to the love that God has for us. And for some of us, you know what? You're watching my live stream. You're here in the service. And the truth is, you've never been born again. Today's your day. What could have ended up destruction is now an open door. Now. The valley of Acor for you becomes the door of hope. And all you got to do, all you got to do is say yes. And for those of us like the story in Hosea, you've already been married in terms of betrothed to Christ. You're already committed to Christ. You're already born again. How easy it is. We've all been there to walk away. Sometimes we walk away terribly. And sometimes it's just that, well, I'm just lukewarm. I'm not fully committed. And to whatever degree it is, don't you want to come back? The wonderful thing about God, the wonderful thing about our heavenly husband, when nobody else will forgive you, God will forgive you. When your husband won't forgive you, God will forgive you. When your wife won't forgive you, God will forgive you. When your kids won't forgive you, God will forgive you. When your parents won't forgive you, God will forgive you. When the church won't forgive you, God will forgive you. So what, what a great offer. What a great offer to come and receive Christ and be born again. What a great offer if you've already received Christ to come back. 
We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of the messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today or would like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. We're so privileged to be able to pray for you. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. There's much more to learn from the pages of Revelation, so we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.